0: Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and you guys, this interview is so, so, so much fun. Um, Tara Eggenspeller is just uh, oh, I was going to say go-getter, it's so cliche, I hate that term actually, but she is, and um, she... Comes from an accounting background and she has finagled and bootstrapped and grassrooted her way to a handbag line that she has. And she has done a phenomenal job of figuring things out all on her own, learning the hard way, learning some really tough lessons, um, DIYing a ton of stuff, doing things without any money. And she shares all of it in the podcast um, from Hard lessons learned on putting together a photo shoot and what you should or shouldn't invest in initially, and finding a manufacturer and a factory to produce your designs, and selling and figuring out like how are you actually marketing your product and getting it into the customer's hands. Um, her story reminds me a lot of my own story way back. If you followed me for any amount of time, if you've been on my email list, if you've read some of my content on my website, you may have heard me mention my brand, Funclectic word sandwich of funky and eclectic we won't even go into that I hate the name nowadays Um, but at the time I thought it was a good idea back when I was in my early 20s and her story is so similar to mine and just scrapping it together and doing one thing and seeing if it can lead to something else and so many so many failures along the way but getting those successes and those wins and that leads to something and leads to something leads to something whether that's you know getting your product made or getting some press coverage or what have you um so many amazing specific takeaways and insights in this interview on like i said photo shoots finding factories um selling your product uh everything she talks through very very transparent um Terry you, you were a phenomenal guest on this show it was really fun to chat with you um before we get to the interview you guys if you've been listening for a while you may already know that SFD is way more than just a podcast and if you're not taking advantage of all those resources i'm sorry but you're missing out um you guys i people tell me all the time that like one of my tutorials or one of my ebooks or one of my courses is more than they learned in an entire four-year fashion degree. And I don't say that to brag. I say that very humbly because... I put a lot of effort and energy into creating the best resources out there on illustrator and tech packs and finding your dream job and freelancing and starting your brand. And I want to make sure they're as valuable as possible. And I give away a lot, a lot of them for free. And if you have not checked them out, I would really love for you to do that. I think you're going to find which uh, find them very, very valuable. So you can always do that by going over to SoHeidi.com slash email. It's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email. We will link to that in the show notes and I will send you all of my best of my best stuff for free. And I'm also on Instagram at So Heidi as well. So check me out there and say hello. And now let's jump into the interview with Tara. As always, you can access the show notes by scrolling down wherever you're listening. And I can't wait for you to hear all the amazing insights and failures and successes that Tara shares with us. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, Tara. Can you please start out by letting everyone know who you are and what you do in the fashion industry?
1: Yeah. Hi, Heidi. Thanks for having me on. So I have a handbag company. It's called Angela Mariah, and I sell online. And prior to that, I um, actually had no fashion experience whatsoever. Oh, I love this. I can't wait to hear about it. So... What sort of world did you come from? So I uh, went to school, went to college a few years after my cohorts. And at the time, I really wanted to find a stable path because I, was, I felt like I was behind people and I thought, I just really need to find some kind of job that will find me a career as soon as I get out. I was a first-generation college student and it just felt really important for me to find something lucrative. So I studied accounting. And although I was not necessarily attention to detail or a lover of numbers or even that great at math, I managed to get myself through this accounting program. And it just seemed like a very promising career because all the accountants I knew had good jobs and they were stable and they were able to have this great career progression. So it seemed like a great thing for me to do. And that's what I did. So I was working at various internships, and meanwhile, while I'm in these internship positions, I kept feeling this creative urge, and I would have these ideas and projects that I wanted to start and had really no idea who to talk to or how to get there. So, like, for example, I was interning at this company, and I thought, I really want to start a fashion truck. It would be this mobile truck that traveled around and went to like college campuses and sold clothes. And then by, by the weekend, it would be, um, stopping by the areas with homeless people and doing this consignment program. So I had all these ideas for like projects and product businesses I wanted to do that involved creativity, but I really felt like I was stuck in this very black and white career with no creative, um, expression at all. And, and I even went to that after I graduated as well.
0: Yeah. So wait, when did you, what, what's the timeline on this? When did you go to school? So I graduated in 2016. Okay. So just four years ago. Yes. Okay. So you graduated and you, and like the whole time through school and and graduating. So did you, you said you had some internships Did you wind up getting in this, this accounting job that was supposed to be like, you know, stable and great and just take care of you financially, but you clearly weren't super happy.
1: Yeah. So before that, I, well, I actually, this is kind of crazy. Like I said, I was just trying to figure out financial security. So I got into this car wreck while I was in school And I got this like $1,000 for my car. And so with that money, instead of being responsible, I thought, I think I'm going to go to China and study abroad. So while I was there, I got very inspired by these people who had taken a risk and did something they wanted to do. And this one girl I remember meeting, she was from Denver, actually, and she was a yoga instructor who had just kind of left her corporate job and decided to move to China I remember her talking to me and asking me, like, what are you studying? What are you into? And I think she could maybe sense that I didn't feel super passionate about it. And she just ranted to me for a while. And was like, you can do anything you want to do. You know, you can, you could even be a fashion designer. And I remember for some reason that stuck with me. I was like, yeah, like, I don't remember that being really instilled in me as a child. And the idea of like, just doing something that involved risk seemed very attractive. So anyway, yes, I did get that. I did get the job after school. It was like within a before I even graduated, I think it was the first place I interviewed and it was the city I wanted to move to Chicago. And I was like, Oh, great. You know, this takes all the brain work out. I'm going, this is my new job. This is my new life. And I was okay with it at the time. I really thought that I would learn to love it. Mm.
0: So then when did you learn to maybe think I want to do something else?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I was there for about two years and I, I, again, kept having these ideas. And, um, one of them was this t-shirt company where I would go to fitness competitions and sell these like funny fitness t-shirts. And actually with that, I ended up with a lot of inventory that I just couldn't sell. And I was, it was just kind of sad and discouraging.
0: Oh, wait. So it it was more than an idea. You actually like bought product.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I would like execute these random ideas all the time when I wasn't at work. Oh, she's actually
0: taking. Okay, so in my head, I'm thinking all these things are just floating around in your brain, but like you're actually taking action and trying to put these into play.
1: Yeah, because I guess my theory was if I could just choose a product to do, I could learn the process of running and starting a business, even if Uh, even if it's not the product I'm super passionate about. Okay, I just wanted to learn this full like start to finish process of idea creation, execution, marketing, and sales. And if I could just get through that, I could figure out how to do like anything. That's what okay.
0: I was yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a bad idea. So, okay. So you, you did a bunch of things. One of them was making some funny t-shirts for fitness and that didn't work. Not really. Like. No, okay. I sold a
1: few and I just didn't, I didn't even know how to build a website or email hosting. I knew nothing about how to do anything, but okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then what did you decide after that?
1: So basically in April 2018 that was approximately 2 years and a few months ago I was again just sort of frustrated wondering what I'm going to do with myself not really excelling in this accounting world mostly because I just it's a, it really is a natural gift I think to be very good with numbers and good with lots of details and to be interested enough to look for the problems and I was wandering around in my lunch break in Chicago. And I wandered into this fabric store and it was, I forgot the name of it now, but it was under the subway. And this guy was really nice and had owned it. I think he had it for 30 years or so. And I was just looking at all the fabrics on the wall. And I remembered back to this time when I was probably nine or 10, you know, those ages when you have these obsessions and you, you have no distractions because you're not yet like a preteen. So you're just obsessed with some creative, cool passion. And so back when I was around that age, I remember I would spend hours cutting up these sheets and making cool stuff. And I would make these shirts and dresses and stuff and just spend hours sewing by hand. And anyway, so I'm in this fabric shop and I remember thinking back to that and remembering that sense of passion that I had had at one time and how I, you know, desperately was looking for that again. So I thought, I think I'm going to try to make some clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and I purchased some fabric that was really expensive. And I also purchased some vinyl, like some uh, faux leather, faux yeah, snakeskin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I told the guy I was going to go to home and try to sew. And so that night I really didn't know what I was doing. I obviously, I didn't even have a sewing machine. So I'm just looking at the fabric and probably dismissed it. But then I remember looking at the vinyl and thinking, I wonder how a purse is made. Like Uh how, how does that even happen? How do people make stuff? Because again, I had no fashion experience, no sewing experience. And thought, and I had just no idea any concepts, like what is a pattern? I had no idea. I didn't know what I didn't know. So the next day it was very slow at work during this time in the summer in the accounting world, there's not much work because it's cyclical with taxes. So it's all revolved around the tax dates. So anyway, I go to work and I was like, I started sketching these purse ideas. Like, like, okay, I have this piece of flat vinyl at home, but how could I turn it into something 3d? And so I'm sketching, 3d shapes of bags and having this idea of how I'm going to go home and make it into something or try so that night I went home with my little uh, piece of vinyl and my sewing materials like a like a needle and thread and started to try to construct what what I had drawn on paper into an actual small crossbody bag
0: but by hand because you had no sewing machine correct oh okay okay
1: so like hours later, <laughs> it was like, like some in,
0: amazing visuals.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was this like faux black shiny, like patent leather snakeskin. Um, very cute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, I, I finally turned it into sort of what resembled a a bag, I guess. And it had this really sharp, I accidentally cut the front of it where it would have been a flap with this very, very sharp angle. And I was like, oh my gosh, my whole bag's ruined. What am I going to do with this? But as I was looking at it, I was like, hey, that kind of resembles a bird's beak. And I was, and so I called it the raven bag. And so then I was like, I want to create a whole brand of bags inspired by birds because birds represent focus and flight and freedom and, you know, confidence. And so I just had this like this vision of this brand for women who are probably feeling the same way, kind of maybe stuck or want to have a transformation in their life, um, creatively and just becoming a better version of themselves. And it was going to go along with this, these bags that were sort of subtly inspired by birds.
0: Yeah. So, okay. I'm just, I, and the visual I had was more like you, I don't, I think you chuckled because you're like, yeah, it was this like shiny patent leather, but I was like picturing you with this needle and thread, like really laboriously, like trying to poke it through the the vinyl. It was really thick and like fighting with it, and your thumbs all yeah red. Um, yeah.
1: That's how it was. It okay, was what? Not easy. and it was not aligned. None of the stitches were probably aligned at all. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But you got this concept together, and then it evolved into this like much bigger idea and it sounds like the the overarching theme that now drives your collection this concept of the birds and i will say i've looked at your at your website and i was like oh look at this cohesive like you notice that really sharp point on the front flap across all your designs and it stands out and it's almost like i don't know if you had the this in If this was something that came up later or you know, you had the foresight to really think about this, but you look at it's like a very specific branding element of like, oh, you know, like the the um oh my god, I'm gonna totally embarrass myself. The the shoes that the Louis Vuitton shoes that are red on the bottom. Right? Mm -hmm. Is it no, it's not Louis Vuitton. Who what shoes are red on the bottom? The high heels that are always red. Is it
1: Christian? Oh, Mm -hmm. is it
0: okay. Yeah, I'm embarrassing myself here, but
1: or like Tiffany's green, Tiffany's color.
0: the mint green color. Exactly. Green. Right. So you like just out of nowhere came up with this brilliant, very visually recognizable element that you can then thread throughout all of your designs that also has this bigger picture of this whole like flight and freedom. Um, did you like see it as that big of a thing in the moment or did it did it evolve more over time?
1: Yes, it did evolve now that you mention it, because at first it was it was more of a it was like an artistic thought, like, ooh, I wonder what a swan bag would look like. Mm. Ooh, I wonder what a cardinal would be like. And then, oh, I think not even maybe six or eight months later, I was like, oh, yeah, because birds represent all these cool things. Ah. But at first it was definitely more like, oh, I just want to see what kind of birds I could dream up.
0: Did you have an interest in birds before? Like, is this a thing of no. yours? Are you a birder? Okay.
1: <laughs> no, it's so strange. I know. So I have to be careful about how I present it because it might seem like like I am into birds or like other people are supposed to be into birds. Yeah. But it's really supposed to be a very subtle inspiration.
0: Okay, gotcha. Okay, so you make this one prototype. Um, was it, like, usable, functional? Were you able to carry it as a bag?
1: No. Okay. No. Okay. No lining.
0: Okay. <laughs> so then what did you do?
1: So, so I, so I spent several days Googling, like, how does one build a purse? How does one get a purse made? And so I learned all these concepts like a tech pack and just things that everyone who's ever been to fashion school knows probably in their first five minutes. And it took me a long, long time to, like, maybe three months. So I get this. So I go to the um, Chicago Merchandise Mart, and Uh they've got all these fabric suppliers. But those fabric suppliers are actually for the furniture industry. Uh And I started just looking at all this furniture fabric and just picking people's brains, like, trying to figure out, what do you do? And I, I ended up finding this online accelerator program that, um, just kind of helps you figure out how to source it, source materials and get a manufacturer basically. Okay. And so that helped me because I don't know if I would have been able to figure that out in as quickly as I did if I hadn't had someone kind of explaining, hey, here's a tech pack, here's a pattern, here's how you find people to make it, mm. and here's what you need to submit to a potential manufacturer. Okay. And even though I had that, it, it there was still um, tons of trial and error with getting my first samples made. Yeah. Um, for example, like as a new designer, it's hard to approach a manufacturer because they know you're a new designer, probably, unless you've got someone doing the talking for you just by the way you present yourself. And so because of that, it was difficult to get anyone to talk to me. Like I remember probably emailing 15, 20 different manufacturers first in just the U S and just to get an appointment, just to even get a call took a long, long time. And then finally, when I would get that call, I felt like, Oh, it's going to be months. Oh. And it's by the way, going to be $5,000. And I didn't have any money. I mean, none to start this. So I, it was just totally out of the question. And then I I spoke to someone and the, and I know you had another handbag designer on here before and she talked about having to go to India. Yeah. And so, um, that was a thing like, okay, well, if I'm going to get anything made, I may have to unfortunately go overseas at the, at the beginning. So I got samples made in Africa. I got them made in China, Mexico, and the U S well, or why? no, actually I never got to the U S sorry. Why
0: so many different countries?
1: Well, I, again, I didn't really know what I was doing. And every time I would get one made, I would get a quote on the price and think, I don't know, like, I don't know if that's a good amount to pay. Um, maybe I should see what it looks like from somewhere else. And, um, yeah, I guess just, just to experiment. And I didn't really know what I was doing. Okay.
0: So you just thought, you know, if I get a bunch of different samples, I can see like the quality versus the price versus like what's the experience like to work with this country or this specific factory or just exactly. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And where were you finding these people?
1: So I was searching online a lot and just researching handbag manufacturers, but eventually found, um, a site called global sources. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I feel like I've heard of it, but yeah. Yeah. They have manufacturers for all sorts of industries um, on a search tool, okay, and it is convenient, but at the same time, if you do put your information in, you get flooded with emails from yeah. manufacturers all around the world. Yeah. that are like, "Hey, we have this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to make this and so um. So anyway, finally I got a sample made that I really liked and I was quoted. See, what happened was I was kind of dishonest in the beginning with the manufacturer because I really, really wanted them to make a sample for me, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't tell them I didn't really have any money. So I told (laughs) them that my minimum order was going to be far more than what I expected it to be just so they would work with me. Uh... And so then finally, yeah, like finally when I got my sample made, they were ready for me to make this gigantic order and I had no way to do it. So, so it took me from April of starting my little bird idea to um, August or September to actually get a sample. And then it took me another, like almost a year to find somewhere that I could actually get when I could afford made at the minimum I wanted. Oh, wow. Because the whole time in that period of almost a year, I'm trying to figure out how can I pay these people? Like, how could I negotiate with them? Um, how do I even build any kind of market? um, to, to, to pre-sell this to, you know? Yeah.
0: Okay. So wait, so tell us all about that. So it took like six months to get a few samples made, but you had led with, oh, I'm going to order like 5,000 bags or I don't know how many you said, but it was a (laughs) lot more than you would,
1: you would be able to order. Yeah. Like 300.
0: Okay. 300. So arguably those are, are factories that are, um, maybe larger capacity than you were even going to be able to go into. So at the end of the day, they might not even be the right fit for you because they won't be able to make you 20 or 50.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So then it took a lot more hunting. So tell us about that process. So you got some samples and then what?
1: So I got some samples and they looked really nice. Okay. They looked nice for what I, what I knew at the time, actually. Oh, so interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now I know now I would never even
0: they didn't consider look that ordering great. them. Ah,
1: no. <laughs> but and I got some samples. I was able able to take some photography of them and this is just with my own cell phone and my room basically and put them on the internet And I was ready to get a PR firm. I mean, of course, what else? (laughs) So I called this, (laughs) I called this company and I was like, hi, you know, I've got this website built. I've got this product. I really need to generate some buzz so I can get some pre-sales on these. And the lady was like, oh, well, you have no brand. Like your brand, it doesn't look cohesive. It doesn't look like you're ready to do any advertising of any kind. And at this time I felt like, oh my gosh, I've been working on this for a year. Are you kidding me? like I'm ready to do this now. And she char- she was, she quoted me like $12,000 to get my brand together. And so anytime someone does that, I take it as a personal challenge to figure out what can I do? Not charging $12,000. Yeah. Like How can I do this now by myself? So I got very serious and started reading all these branding books. I'm trying to figure out how to build this cohesive brand. And, um, well, I guess what happened was finally I was able to get some pre-sales with all this branding work and this one photo of my couple bags. Where and where did you get some pre-sales from? So I had them on Shopify and I was building my Instagram following with okay. these samples and with just inspiration pics, like okay. women walking who seemed like they would wear my bag if right. I actually had a nice one made. And so, yeah, just, um, putting out the, my story and putting out photos of myself designing and my little samples and just making it seem like I actually had a real operation
0: going. A lot of smoke and mirrors. And you really just had like a couple samples and some inspirational mood board collages that you were pulling photos from.
1: Yeah, exactly. So then how did you
0: even fill those orders?
1: So I wasn't able to, I had to message them all and say, (laughs) I had to say, listen, um, here's the situation. I, I, uh, can send you one when I have inventory, but I actually don't have any right now, but I really like it just basically validated the idea and Um, they were all really okay with it. And once I did get inventory later, even though it was a new and improved version of those bags, I just sent them one for free.
0: Oh, that was very generous of you.
1: Yeah. And they've all been really cool. Like they've stayed in touch yeah. and um, continue to like give me feedback on ideas and just support me through this time. So I think that was important. Just like validate the idea, sell your product before it even really exists. Yeah. yeah maybe you have to do one or two or five refunds, but at least you'll know that there's a market and it, it may not be a big enough market to draw any data. Like, Oh, this is the type of woman or man who loves this type of style. Sure. But at least you'll know there's somebody out there who's willing to spend money on what your idea is. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. I love that so much. Um, and then I also love too, that like you took a lot of pride in hey, these were the first people that believed in my product and they bought it and I'm going to send them something for free. And then that creates a really, really loyal connection between the two of you. And like you said, they continue to give you feedback and they're still there for you. Um, So that's a really, really cool relationship that you were able to build, even though it started off on arguably maybe not the best foot with you being like, (laughs) hey, you purchased my product. And by the way, I have no inventory and I cannot get
1: you said product. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Well, I guess I didn't believe in myself. I didn't really believe that I would get any sales. Like it so just, you just felt like this, yeah, this, uh, <laughs> all in vain or something. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't really believe that I would get any sales. I don't think.
0: So I was almost thinking like, well, I'm going to put it up. No one's going to buy it anyways. And there's like, Oh shit. Someone bought it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So, so you get a few sales, you have to refund them. Um, but, but then you're thinking maybe I do have something with this product. So what, yeah, so what, what happens next?
1: So I'd been like investing all my money, any money I made at all for my job in first of all, my Shopify site, photos, just materials to make photos, the samples, hundreds of dollars, yeah, and all this money. And so I tell my fiance, and I'm like, "Hey, I had these sales." And he's like, "Hey, well, I can help you get some inventory." And so I'm telling that because a lot of people, either a, think that people are hundred percent able to be self-made and that may be true in some situations, but there's a lot of people, whether it be in your early life or whether it be in your later life who have to have some help from people. So I think once he saw that I was able to get sales, he kind of believed in me and helped me get my first small production run. Okay. So I just need to say that because, you know, I think uh, it's important to be honest with people about how you're able to get your business together. Cause I think people can get discouraged and think, Oh my gosh, I don't have this. How can I ever do it? And he gave me enough that probably I would be able to get from maybe a small business loan. Okay. And, um, yeah, so it helped me fund my first small production run.
0: Okay. And I appreciate your transparency on that because it, it is hard to listen to other people's stories and just think like, oh, well they were just able to make it happen, but I can't make it happen because, you know, there's all these barriers Mm -hmm. and sort of limiting scripts of like, well, I don't have that or I don't have this. Um, so yeah, sometimes you have to, you don't have it all yourself and you have to go ask and whether that's friends and family or maybe it is a bank loan. Um, so you got enough money to do what you, what you said, what
1: first production run. Yeah. And see what happened was I had had that manufacturer who thought I was going to be able to get like 300 units at a time. Okay. So their first quote to me was they wanted $160,000 ah, <laughs> and I had zero dollars. So and where, which
0: find, country was that? It was China. China. Okay.
1: Yep. And so another. So after I was just feeling totally discouraged, I was like, there's no way. What am I going to do? I started looking back through all these emails I'd been getting for months from that company, Global Sources. And there was one that stood out and I thought, I'm going to ask them if they can do this for me. And I'm just going to be very straightforward and say, listen, all I can do is get 30 at a time and that's it. And I'll just see if they'll do it. Because at this point I had a lot more confidence with dealing with manufacturers. And I knew that there were so many of them that somebody was going to work with me. Yeah. So I sent them all the stuff I had. I was like, here's my samples, here's the exact. I knew I knew this time more how to even phrase what I wanted. Like, this is the edge coat color. This is the stitching color because before that i had no idea like you needed to specify how the sides are going to be constructed of a product Mm -hmm. how the stitching how the edge coat i just thought oh you just send them they'll know what you want yeah and then you get a product back and you're like oh (laughs) wait a second (laughs) so um so i did find a company another one in china and they were really responsive and they were real she she was really nice and um like worked with me on every little thing. And I tried to explain, listen, I don't want you guys to buy new material. I want to like use factory scrap. Is that possible? Like just really trying to make it as ethical as possible while producing overseas, which is not easy to do, by the way. And so finally she said, yes, you could do it. And the price was similar per unit to the previous quote, but at least I could just get 30 at a time.
0: Okay. Wait, so I have to admit, I just did the math because you said, They were looking at 300 units and they quoted you like $160,000. That's like over $500 a unit. Did I do the math wrong?
1: Well, no, you didn't. But see, there were more than one style ah
0: okay there was like
1: three maybe three or four styles yeah they're quoting me like okay. I want to say 60 a unit
0: okay gotcha gotcha not 300 70, total okay gotcha
1: no so I guess it would have been like maybe three or four styles or colorways or something and yeah okay. it's like 160,000 Okay, gotcha.
0: okay because I was mm-hmm. like wait that seems like a lot and so I pulled it was, up the calculator it and I was like, a lot. this is $500 a bag. This is crazy. Uh, I mean, maybe not crazy depending on what your price point is, but I've seen your price point and your bags are a couple hundred dollars. So, um, you know, they're not, yeah. um, they're not super cheap, but definitely not crazy expensive. So, um, okay. So you get them to agree to do 30 at a reasonable a price that's workable for you mm-hmm. based on what you want to sell it for. And so so did you place the order and then what happens?
1: So I got some samples made from them and I started thinking, I do really need to figure out how to generate buzz for these. So I found some girls in my city who were kind of micro influencers, but they charged me a lot of money. I mean, just for photo shoots for like an hour, they were charging me like way more than I was comfortable with. Cause again, I've lacked confidence and wasn't sure how to phrase any of this stuff. Yeah. So I'm just like meeting with these girls who aren't necessarily models. I don't even know if they're considered influencers, but they, they would just meet with me and like, take a few photos and just, just all these things were a learning process, you know? And so I had to get some photos with models though, with these samples so that I could at least say, Hey, there's a new product coming. It's actually going to launch soon. Okay. And, um, let's see. So I did that. And then, yes, I did place an order in August of 2019 for, a couple bags, like a few colors. And so, so they get here and I go to New York fashion week just for fun, just with a friend to explore and to see people just to like meet people, see what's like in the fashion industry. Did you take some bags? I took some bags. Yeah. And I took some photos of myself. And so I just had this random kind of soft launch while I was there. Like there was no planning at all. It was just like, Hey, here's me with my new bag. <laughs> Cause I just received a few <laughs> and, um, Then I found this people in New York, they're very open to creative collaboration in my experience, my very limited experience. So I just met this girl and I was like, you want to be my model? Like, let's model these bags. And she was like, sure. So we did this really cool downtown Manhattan photo shoot where she's like walking. She's on the go. I styled her with the clothes that I brought. And we found this guy to take photos Oh, and so I wrote down like a list of tips or a list of things I've learned that are very helpful. And one of them is to invest in your own camera if you can, because oh. it's expensive to hire a photographer all the time. So at some point I went to the pawn shop, like before I went to New York and bought this um, Canon camera for like a couple hundred dollars and took that with me. And we took photos of the model with the bags. Okay. So with those photos, that was more marketing material than I had ever had in a year and a few months like that was more content that I could use for social media for my website than I had ever had and it was not only that but on an actual camera this time so the photos were crisp and they were uh, allowed to be on my website so <laughs> wait but hold on like... where
0: did you where are you find? you said you like met this girl who you're like oh can you model this for me and then you met this guy that was gonna take photos like where are you meeting these people like just on the street oh, or like
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm trying to I'm just talkative Actually, yeah, the guy, the guy that designed my logo, I met at a random event in Chicago and told him what I was working on. Then he introduced me to this girl who ended up designing my logo. So yeah, it's just like talking to people. And I met this girl at a fashion show I went to in New York city. She was in line. I was behind her and I was like, Hey, like, what's up? And she was like, I'm alone. You're alone too. Let's be friends. Uh, So that's how I met her. Oh, I love this.
0: You're really just like totally gabbing with people next to you on the street or like in line, whatever, but just
1: totally random people yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's just all (laughs) random meeting of strangers and seeing who wants to be part of my little project and how I can help them and how they can help me. And see, she was an aspiring model who had just moved there from Texas. Ah. So she was okay with like, I would love to get some photos. So usually it seems in my experience that Um, like newer models are fine with doing photo shoots for free, but usually I end up paying them anyway because that's really useful to me. Like that helps me make a sale. Like not paying the model is fine, but but I'd really prefer to pay people when I can. So I end up paying her anyway.
0: We'll get back to this episode in 20 seconds, but real quick, did you know that the SFD podcast is sponsored by you? We don't interrupt your listening experience with ads and instead rely on your support. There are three ways you can do that. One, tell a friend about the podcast. Two, sign up for the email list at heidi.com slash email. That's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I dot com slash email. Three, write a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for supporting the SFD podcast. Now, back to the episode. Oh, that's really generous because um, I know a lot of people don't have that mindset. Um, so so as you're doing all of this, you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, gonna to get these professional pictures and you know, with this aspiring model, we're in New York city, it's going to look amazing. And you're like, I'm going to put them up on. And, and you're thinking, I'm going to build this out to put on my website and put on my Instagram. And are those the two channels that you're thinking like, this is where I'm going to continue to track my customer, my, my website and Instagram
1: at the time? Yes. That was all I was really familiar and or comfortable with.
0: And were people actually coming to your website? And if so, like, how are they getting there?
1: So probably most of my leads at the time had come from me talking about a pre-sale, talking about a new launch. So I was getting website leads from like a pop-up campaign. And yes, probably a lot of them came from Instagram. But I'd gone through this phase where I was blogging because I heard, hey, that's how you get website traffic. You got to yeah. blog, blog, you got to build SEO. So I wrote this cool blog, which is on the first page of Google about how to dress like Sophia Loren. Oh my God. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I had no idea. I was like, how am I getting all this traffic from this link? And then finally I searched how to dress like Sophia Loren. And I realized this has been a top ranked blog somehow and see on that page was a picture of my red bag. And that's the bag I said was inspired by Sophia Loren. So I was getting all this traffic from that and from Instagram and from Eventually, doing very shoddily put together Facebook ads.
0: Ah, uh, okay, okay. So, so you're building these these the this uh, repertoire of photos and and stuff of your product, and you're like, I've got a little bit of traffic through these random sources. I did this blog post that went viral, and um, and so then what you so you're in you're you're in Manhattan for New York Fashion Week, and you get the pictures.
1: Yeah, so then I come home and I'm just, you know how it is being an entrepreneur, especially in a very competitive industry, ups and downs emotionally. Yes. And becoming <laughs> better at managing those is like number one priority. Yes. But this was all new to me. I just had all this inventory delivered and I hadn't had a sale since May or April, right? Okay. Because I had my pre sales that I wasn't able to ship. So I'm thinking, what have I done with like, first of all, my fiance's money and my life and my career. Are you still,
0: are you still working at the accounting job?
1: Um, let's see. I think I was, I was working at, no, see, I left my accounting job to get a job at the bank because they paid insurance, um, for only 20 hours a week. So I thought that was a great way to like work part time. Okay. Yeah, part time insurance, very understanding and flexible with the schedule. So yeah, I was working there. Okay. And um, they paid well enough to like have enough money, right? You know? To eat
0: and probably yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I was feeling really discouraged. I was like, I don't know what I've done with myself. Like this is just not working. <laughs> so I took my dog for a walk, and I came back and I had actually made a sale. No way! Of course, like, right in that Yay! moment. Yes. And see, there's something very different about organic sales and people, you know, not that I'd sold anyone I know yet, but organic sales like really are that social proof. They're that proof of concept. Yeah. So I make these organic sales that when I, cause I just put out my New York photos with my new model and my actual launch, not just me like wandering around with my product in New York, actual models. And then, so I'd made this pre-sale, no, this real sale. So I was felt like, okay, it's a sign. You should keep going. And, <laughs> um, let's see. So yeah, that, and I just constantly learning like new things, like how to, how to do photo shoots, how to put any kind of content out there. And I didn't really know what else to do with myself. So I started reaching out cause I'm in Indianapolis. I'm not in fashion capital of the world Okay, and just reaching out to The local fashion, like nonprofit magazine, going to their meetups, going to this, um, museum here that has a fashion section of the museum, just getting involved in all these things in the city. Okay. And so being around these people kept leading to new opportunities. And those new opportunities would expose me to people who would make more purchases and support the business.
0: Like, tell, and, like, give some examples of what that is. Like, what kind of new okay. opportunity? Like, I want to hear exactly what this is.
1: All right. So, there's this local magazine called Pattern, and they have a meetup every month or every quarter, I think, for all the Indian, Indianapolis creatives. So, I went to this, I didn't know anybody, and I just was talking to people, meeting friends, and this lady comes and she says, Hey, do you want to be on this? fashion art society museums, first fashion designer panel. And you can give your talk about where you're at and what what you've been up to with uh, these other Indianapolis designers. Yeah. So I go to that, I give the talk, this other lady comes up to me and she says, Hey, I'm a stylist on this local news show. Do you want to be on it? So then I'm saying, Oh, of course. So I'm on this news program, this local news show. And then from there, I don't know how many people saw it, but I got this huge spike in traffic and some more sales. And so then from there, I'm able to pitch that experience to another local news show and they have me on. And again, I get more sales and more traction for, for just the local community, you know? And so then I was able to use these experiences to go into local boutiques and say, hey, will you con- consign my product? I'm not expecting any inventory buys right now, especially since, first of all, I didn't have the markup with such a small inventory amount of purchased items. So, yes, that happens, too, getting into local boutiques. So it's just kind of this process of meeting people, putting myself out there of saying yes to things that didn't even like, for example, the first news show I was on, it was three hours away. I had to drive six hours that day (laughs) to be on this five minute news program, <laughs> yeah, but it ended up leading to sales. So yeah. it's great. Right. It all, it all made sense oh, in hindsight.
0: I like this part of your story makes me so excited because it's very similar. I feel like it's very, very, very similar to a lot of the stuff that I experienced and I did when I had my brand way back. Um, mm-hmm. and I want to like really emphasize to everyone out there, dear listener, you guys, it doesn't matter where you're located. Terrorism. Indiana. I was in Denver when I was doing my brand. Like you, I know it's so easy to say, oh, but I don't have access to that. Or there's no fashion meetup going on where I live. There is, there is something, there is something, Mm -hmm. even if it's broader, even if it's for general creatives and you're going to go to things and you're going to walk away with nothing. Of course, there's going to be failures. Um, but then one of them is going to lead to one thing. And then that thing's going to lead to another thing. And it might not happen overnight in five seconds, but like all of this stuff, does build and does snowball um oh I just I love that part of your story so much and so so you're growing and you're getting some orders and driving all the way across the state to get on a five minute segment oh my god I I know I I totally (laughs) did that type of thing too I get it
1: yeah yeah that's awesome I love that I love that you did that (laughs) Yeah. Um, another one was going to Chicago fashion week. They don't, they don't really have a huge fashion week, but I went to be a vendor at this little, um, fashion week thing they had. And from there I ended up meeting people who had me in their fashion show. So like I had mm-hmm. all my bags and this cool, like these runway models. And then later that led to this winter right around black Friday. I believe it was black Friday weekend. Um, last, last year, um, vendor fashion show thing with like a few vendors. So from there, just had having met all these people and figuring out, Hey, where are the fashion shows going on? Where can I be a vendor? Yes, it's Chicago, but that's only three hours from Indianapolis. Yeah, I drove there and I had, um, so I had these bags still and they were selling slowly. Cause again, I didn't know about Facebook ads. All I was doing was Instagram really. And then some website traffic okay. from organic blogs. So I went to this, so I thought, okay, I have all these bags. What can I do to like make them more exciting. So I thought I'll make them all into their own. I made this, this crazy theme. Basically it was like a 1920s. Um, I themed them out. Like I started decorating them with different concepts and took them all to this holiday fashion show in Chicago and launched these new designs, even though they were the same bags, just redesigned over this Black Friday weekend. What do you mean redesigned?
0: Like, what were you doing exactly? Like putting like brooches on them or something? I'm like, okay.
1: Yeah. So like I was making them 1920s. I'm trying to remember what I called it. I think it was, um, the, like I made a flapper bag. Like, so I added, so I had these top handle purses. And they, and I added these little small rings and then to the rings, you could add all these different chains and the chains made the bag into a different idea. Ah. So like there was the, the flapper bag and it had this really cool, like dangling chain on the front, but you could take it off. So it didn't have to be like that, but it just added this extra bit of bling. And so my fiance hated the idea. He was just like, this is so gimmicky and silly, but I just wanted to try it. (laughs) And I was gluing pearls to them and flowers, but people actually really liked it for the holidays. So that was my biggest weekend at the time. It was, um, I got a lot of sales that weekend. I mean, they were just coming in one after another. And that was online
0: or in person at the market?
1: It was, um, well, it was mostly on, it was online in person, yes, but they ended up purchasing online. So ah. I got some sales from that show, but they, were all, they all went online to do it. Okay. So that was really exciting because it was my first time experiencing that, like, hey, I'm getting one order after another. I cannot believe this is actually happening.
0: Yeah. And are you still working through your first uh, p- production order? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. So then, let's see. So then Christmas happens and... So basically, I don't, where are we at on time? Oh,
0: we're good. Yeah, no, no. We've got like 15, 20 minutes.
1: Okay. So I'll just say kind of what, what has happened that's really helped me learn a lot or like major errors. Like I made a list of major errors and major successes. Oh, let's hear Yeah. Let's hear about it. Okay. Which one do you want to hear first? Oh,
0: I mean, I let's do the errors first because I, I think that I don't know. i I love failures. i I feel all the time, and I think it's so important to talk about this. So let's start there.
1: Yes, I agree with you. I have a lot of friends or a few who I met in that accelerator program I was in like two years ago. yeah, and they all had different product ideas, different fashion ideas. And one problem problem that I've seen that I experienced as well was once I got my first samples, I had this big staged photo shoot here in Indianapolis. Like I went to that pattern meetup I told you about, and I met this, the best photographer I could find Okay, and then found this model and I invested like $500, which was a lot for me again. Like I'm saying, I'm working at the bank part-time. Like this is all my money. Yeah. So I invested in this photo shoot and I didn't know how to style a photo shoot. I didn't know about makeup. (laughs) I didn't know about posing. I didn't know about how to do any creative direction at all. So I've thrown away this money, and I'm like, these are the samples that I couldn't even get produced. So it was just, okay, I've I've measured all my... All my errors I've made have either been from being hasty or from being cheap. Ah. And anytime I'm cheap or hasty, and for God's sakes, both, (laughs) I'm going to do something expensive and ridiculous and I'm going to have to pay for it again. (laughs) So this was an example of being hasty. And there are times that I was cheap too, like being way too cheap on certain tools that ended up costing me more money later. So that was a major error putting all this money into creative direct into a photo shoot without having any background in creative direction or any experience.
0: What would you have done and differently if,
1: in hindsight? So now at this point, I've met a photographer who has or I met a studio, a person who has a studio and they just kind of let photographers come there and do a lot of collaborative work. So having made this connection now and having had my own camera now, I'm able to go to this studio like once every couple weeks. And have a new model that I meet online and direct the whole thing myself. So I've learned about like, like, like just sitting by myself, closing my eyes and imagining what would a really unique way to present this style be like, like, what would the colors be like really spending the time to be creative and go to all these different places in my head. Like, Oh, what if the back one was Brown? What kind of style could you do? Oh, what if it was yellow? Oh, that would be neat. And listening to certain music to just kind of get these inspirational juices flowing. And now I'm able to drill out or pump out a, a cool, like photo shoot every couple weeks. And I've got all this content for the, literally the rest of the year in my new collection that I don't even have to get worried about it because I've been able to keep putting together these shoots with, and I style the whole thing from Goodwill and just oh, going to Goodwill yes. and like, yeah, like finding these cool um, dresses and or pieces of fabric and just able to make them into things. So anyway, what I would have done differently is got some more experience just doing street photo shoots, just learning how to, how to take a photo of a bag, how to, what works, what doesn't? Because there's a lot of photo shoots I was doing before I found this studio collaborative environment where I was meeting with people on the street, like girls. Like I would go on these. Every every city has a on a, insert your city name here models Facebook group. And if you go there, you can find tons of people who would love to collaborate with you on your new brand. I promise. Uh, like Cincinnati models Facebook group. That's Yeah. Anything. It exists, and so people are ready to collaborate. People want to do cool creative stuff with people who are creating in their city so I was meeting with a lot of people there and then I I realized like after a while okay this type of outfit is not right this type of background is not right for the brand I'm going for so I really would have liked to learn a lot more about my aspirations my vision for the brand before investing money in a photo shoot because that seals the deal you know it is you spend money on this photo shoot it seals the deal now you feel like oh that's my brand I, and have, that's to I have to use these photos do.
0: yeah yeah it's a lot of pressure.
1: Mm-hmm. It's so a lot of pressure. And
0: grappling it together and experimenting first using like models who just want to collaborate because they want to do something creative and you guys are all working for free and then just seeing what works and what doesn't, dialing that in and then investing some money.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because now I have a pretty good handle on what I'm going for, what kind of look I'm going for. So I know what models to choose and who I'm able to pay because I know it'll work out. Ah, okay. So, like I can, li- like my, my two cover models for my look for this upcoming fall collection one of them I just met at a bar and I was like she has the exact look I'm going for and she never <laughs> done any modeling but she looked perfect yeah. I mean the she is just the best model I've been able to find awesome. especially in Indianapolis it's not exactly just models wandering around everywhere yeah 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 yeah
0: <laughs> oh I love that okay so and I think um I mean i I have invested money in photo shoots before, and I know other designers have, and I think it's really easy at the beginning to think, like, oh, I'm going to spend all this money. And then, yeah, there's a lot of little moving pieces and parts to a photo shoot to make sure it goes right, and, and chances are, if you just dive into that first one without any experience and spend a lot of money, it's you're not going to get the result that you actually want in the end. Maybe. Exactly. But, I agree with you. But, I mean, it depends on the photographer. Sometimes you can get a photographer that's so good that, like, they'll drive the creative direction and, like, really help dial it in for you, but that just it just... Depends. So,
1: yeah. Mm -hmm. Another mistake that goes along with what you're saying is, you know, designers investing all this money is there's been so many things over the last year since I launched, hasn't even been a year, where I'm thinking, hey, this is going to be the one thing that totally (laughs) changes my business. This right here. And the thing is, I've learned that that's not the case. It is a culmination of hundreds of things. It is consistency. It is literally every single week sending. 300, if that's what's required, emails to boutiques, to the press, to whatever, and trying to get these little tractions. And you know what? Most of them are not going to work out, but some things will. And so over the course of months and months and months, you have one success every three weeks. Now you've got this actually viable strategy on how to take your business to the next level. And that's been my experience because there's been things that I'm like, oh, that's the thing. Like I hired this PR guy and... Britain, the UK, so random doesn't make any sense. And I was like, I'm going to pay him three hundred dollars a month to like really take my business to the next level. And and he had no experience. Like there there was just no reason to do this. But just getting in, what is the word? Just like uh, all dreamy and rose colored glasses about certain things. When you, it's really hard work. It's consistency that's going to pay off. Yeah, I
0: have to drop a quick note in here too about investing in um, PR people. And I do not mean this as a blanket statement, although based on my experience, it is a kind of a blanket statement. PR is really, really expensive, and they do not do... I know there's good ones out there, but most of the time they don't do a good job. I cannot tell you how many terrible PR pitches that we get for the podcast that is generic and canned, and I'm like, there's no way I'm letting this guest on my show, like, versus <laughs> you, like, tell, I I don't, I have to be honest, because the podcast pitches actually go to Tara, but uh, my assistant, not you, Tara, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think you pitched yourself for the podcast, and right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And you just were like, "Oh, hey, here's here's my story." I think you li- you listed, I guess I have it right here in my notes. Um, here's some topics I could probably provide some insight on. Um, and one of them was, you know, executing photo shoots and reimagining current inventory to get new sales. Um, well, yeah. and that was a lot more valuable than the PR agency. So, I just I say that in advance because I think for a lot of people it's easy to think, "Oh, my one magic bullet, like you just said, what's going to be the one thing?" And maybe it's the photo shoot. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's hiring PR and getting press. Celebrity um, mm-hmm. so placement. Yeah, and and then you can get into certain channels because you know they have relationships and contacts that you don't have. But I don't know. Um, that's. I not, agree with you. I've I've never seen. I shouldn't. I should, I lie. I think one out of probably hundred PR pitches that we've gotten on for the podcast is decent. The rest of them are crap. Wow.
1: Well, that makes me feel great. And you're the only podcast I had pitched. I was just oh, really? I've been listening to your podcast for a long time. And I thought I would love to just share what I do know yeah. with her audience, because I feel like I have so much trial and error that would be valuable to someone who's just starting or even somebody who's just struggling with like, how do I get to the next yeah. place? And I just feel like so much of it is learning how you spend your time. What are your processes you're doing every day and figuring out how can I automate those as best as possible and yeah. take the just hard work and struggle out of things as much as you can
0: yeah I love that so you sent one genuine pitch and I and Tara showed it to me and I was like yeah or Tara my assistant showed me you Tara your pitch and I was like yeah let's do it um that's so exciting yeah I love that. well because it's you can tell when people like pitch from the heart and like they write like a nice pitch that's Not this, you know, it's the same with like, I talk about so much in, in SFD. It's like, it's the same with your resume and cover letters. And it's the same with freelance pitches. And it's the same with PR pitches. You cannot copy and paste the same generic thing and blast it out to 500 places. You have to make it customized and personalized. It's actually very easy to get your foot in the door certain places if you take the time and energy to like, and sometimes it's only, you know, 20, 30, 60 minutes to write that than copy and paste and throwing your whole resume out the whole window um, to yeah. see who it lands on. So, anyways, we're we're going on like a big tangent here, but um, let's hear a couple other the um, mistakes or failures on your list. And I want I definitely want to make sure we have a few minutes to get to the successes too, because those are also very important and exciting to celebrate. So, what else do you want to share?
1: Okay, the fine. I guess the main one that I would say to anybody who's starting a business who has uh, minimum viable business running is use the tools that can grow with you. For example, I was using this email marketing tool called Privy, not to bash Privy. I'm sorry. Yeah. But Privy can't couldn't grow when my contact list expanded beyond a thousand contacts. Okay. Because it just doesn't have the capabilities. It's not a customer, it's not a CRM. I couldn't see where my cus- my email signups were at in my sales funnel. Because you can't just click on a contact and see like, hey, which email did they open? Did they click it? Where'd they go? Mm. But, so I had to invest in it. The problem with using that at the beginning and not being smarter up front. Was then I had to spend this fifty-hour weekend completely switching over my email automation mm-hmm. to a new system, and mm-hmm. it took me two weekends ago. It, I didn't go to sleep before two thirty in the morning the whole time because I'm trying to figure out how can I get this implemented. But now it's like, oh great, this whole thing's automated, and it's actually converting. Like, wow, what a what a accomplishment because the former system privy it would it wasn't very good. Mm. So invest in tools that can grow with your business. Okay.
0: I love that. And I love that specific example. And I have changed email providers twice too. And I know those 60, 80 hour weeks of like getting all the content transferred over. It's a lot.
1: Yes. it is. <laughs> and you want to revise the whole thing and make it better. In oh, the it's so much
0: work. Yeah. Um, okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, uh, tell, share some of the wins. Cause I want to hear some of the really exciting successes that you've had.
1: Okay. Let's see. Um, well, so for this upcoming fall season, getting a list of yeses from online boutiques. So basically, first of all, I want to say right now is an interesting time for anybody in the fashion industry or product industry because of our current world situation. Yeah. So, so let me just
0: clarify. It's, um, it's July, 2020 when we're recording, cause this will air towards the end of 2020. So I just want to clarify okay. where we're at in time, July, 2020. Yeah
1: yeah, so at this time, it, this is a time, actually, maybe even a little late, to be pitching fall winter collections to retailers. Yeah. So I have been pitching consistently since, I would say early April for my fall winter. And at first, it seemed really slow. but over over the months, I've gotten a yes here, a yes here, a yes here. So once September hits, I've got a handful of retailers that are online, some that are, pretty big in their city that are ready to carry my line. And this is great for me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Congratulations. That's huge. But I would say for that, it's just all about, again, like you said, being consistent and having a customized pitch. Like why is this boutique a good one? Mm. What other brands do they carry that my line would even make sense next to? Is their price point in line with my bags? So that's been a big win for me. So you didn't Um, just like
0: send out the same pitch to a hundred different boutiques. You looked at each boutique individually and wrote to them as though they were a real person. It is a real person on the other side of the email.
1: Yes, pretty much. Although I would say that you can still automate that process a little bit if you're, you know, you can edit certain fields for a contact in your email marketing thing. So it's like, Hey, this, my bag makes sense for you because, and then insert the reason here, but yes, the research is required. Right.
0: But, but a, a lot of it can be, you know, the same presentation, but some of it has to be customized.
1: For sure, yeah. I okay. can't just be like, "Hi, comma." <laughs> um, <laughs> Please carry my bags building,
0: at your boutique. Thank you.
1: Bye. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Bye. Here's a fi- here's a picture. I'm um, building a convertible email automation sequence. That's been a huge win because, like, I feel like I've been obsessed with this idea of closing the loop. That means <laughs> closing the marketing loop. If I can figure out how to follow someone through all the touch points in an online way, that that to me is success. So okay. if I can build a Facebook ad that people click on and they sign up to my email list and they get my five emails and they say, Oh, I love this brand. I want it. That is a huge win. Yeah. So figuring out how to build a branded email automation sequence, that's taken me this whole time. It's I a mean, lot I of think work, whole, yeah. yes, that's a ton of work. Like that could be summed up into the entire two years of work, honestly. Um, so wait, so, product...
0: so sorry, hold on. And are you okay if we go a couple minutes long? Yeah. Okay. Cause I want to, I don't want to just like swish through these so quickly that we don't, I want people to get value out of it. Um, yeah, okay. so, so the, the email automation sequence, you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have these five emails. It's going to talk people through, maybe there's some story, there's providing mm-hmm. them some value, some styling ideas. And then ultimately you're trying to sell them the product. Um, and you're getting people into that through, it sounds like, I mean, some you're getting organic traffic to the website. Maybe that Sophia Loren blog post is still crushing it for you, which is amazing. Um, but you also said maybe some Facebook ads. Are you, are you still doing those? How's that going for you?
1: So yes, I am. I run convert. I would say it's important to just learn as much as you can about Facebook ads, but yes, I do have some ads running and they get me a couple leads a day. And then with my conversion rate, I'm able to get sales from those on the other end, from the email end, not directly from the ad, but yes.
0: Okay. But they came from Facebook originally.
1: Mm -hmm. And did you, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, go
0: ahead. Did you like, did you figure that out on your own? Because let me tell you, Facebook ads are not as easy as they might seem. And that is a place where I feel like you can literally throw your money into a fire and just burn it up.
1: Oh yeah, you absolutely can. And yes, I had to invest I would say a full 40 hour work week into learning the basics. Okay. And I did that. Yes. Right. When the quarantine started March 7th or so, okay. I was thinking, I need to learn how to do Facebook ads for when this is over. I can actually <laughs> launch this. So I spent all the time I could taking these classes on Udemy uh-huh. and learning about how to structure them and how to just build them out. So yes. Okay. And then to go along the email marketing, cause I just really feel like this is important. I think a lot of brands struggle with should I do personal branding or should I be this entity separate from my business? And I think that's a huge struggle
0: to be like, touched on. At should some other you talk time.
1: about, like, I,
0: hey, you're talking in first person versus we as a business?
1: Mm, no. Yes. Okay. And also, should I be the face of my company?
0: Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. You know what? You know? I actually was curious about that because your brand's called Angela Mariah.
1: Correct. And yeah, your name is Tara. Tara.
0: Yeah. Where did that come from?
1: It's kind of an alter ego. She's just kind of this badass and she's in a beautiful city and she wanders around and she's living her best life.
0: Okay. So you're not you, you kinda of decided not not really to be the face of the brand.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because I don't necessarily date like right now I'm in yoga pants and tank top. Like I'm not Angela <laughs> Mariah. Nobody wants a bag for me. But Angela Mariah can dress up. Like my I can dress up and become her when I go out and network and stuff and mm. um she's way more exciting than
0: Tara day to day. Oh, maybe not though. I feel like you're a pretty exciting (laughs) person. Um,
1: thank you. Okay.
0: So, okay. So you, you really dove into the Facebook ads and learned, and I'm sure there, even after you learned that during that 40 hour bender, there was still some trial and error because I've done, I did some a couple years ago and I was like, this is not for me. And I, 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 killed it, but, um, it takes some fine tuning,
1: It does. And it takes money because you can't get the data you need with hundred dollars. Yeah. But if you look at that hundred dollars, like I have to look at it as this is uncomfortable, but I know I'm going to get the data I need and Mm -hmm. it'll pay off. Okay. If I have that attitude, if I know that my, my ads look good, my creative looks good, my landing page they're leading to is convertible because when people do go, no matter how they get there, they do convert. Okay. If I know all those things then I know that, yeah, I might have to spend a hundred, $200 right now. But it's gonna pay off. Okay. And if I sell one bag, I've got all that money back.
0: Right, right, right. Okay, gotcha. So, okay, so that's that. I really appreciate the insights and the more detail on that process because I think we could have just glossed over that, but um, people would have been like, "Wait, I'm sorry. What? How'd you do that?" Okay, mm-hmm. so learn. Yeah. Don't do it
1: without learning a lot. Yeah,
0: you really do, and it takes it takes either sweat equity and time or money. Yep. Um, like what you say, don't do it hasty and don't do it cheap. You can't do it in five, either. If you try to do Facebook ads in five seconds or you try to do it with $5, both are going to fail. Either you spend 40 hours DIY or you pay someone money. Exactly. Okay. I love that. So let's move on. Give us another one.
1: Another success. Yeah. So learning how to, so I got my Products. I don't know if this is success or not, but I reached out to all these publicists, like celebrity publicists that I found their information to by doing research and got my product into, I think, five different celebrity hands. So as That's soon as they huge got them— success. Thank you. But we went on lockdown. Complete oh, lockdown. So shit, nobody's yeah. left their house. So I have no <laughs> idea if they got him, if they like him, if they hate him, if they threw him in the trash immediately. Like I have no idea what happened, but I do have a confirmation that these five celebrities have my bags. So I just gotta keep monitoring them and watching the tabloids. <laughs> so maybe they'll leave their house one day with them.
0: <laughs> oh my god, wait, I love it. Okay, so first of all, yes, huge win. I would count that as a major win. But when it comes to like actually tracking, if anything happens with that, I love that you're like, I just have to keep monitoring the tabloids. I guess that's how you do it, <laughs> yeah. right?
1: I guess. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. I I, <laughs> I don't know either. Know. Maybe someone has a good answer for that. <laughs> okay. You guys,
0: if someone has a good answer to monitoring whether or not a celebrity wears your product and it gets captured by the paparazzi <laughs> and put into national Enquirer, <laughs> email me and I will share it with everyone. Um, yes. I'll add it to the show notes. Um, Okay, I'm going to take it as a win. Okay.
1: Yeah. Le- yeah, um, repeat customers. That's a huge win. I've had the same customers buy various products, so that's a huge win. Tell us about then, that a little
0: bit, though. Hold on. So okay. you sell them one bag, and maybe they came from – who knows where they came from? Many different mm-hmm. places they could have come from. How do you get them to buy again?
1: Um. Well, like I said, with the email, the email marketing is huge. Offering – oh, never offer – a sale to your entire marketing list. I think that's important. Maybe choose 20. Like I like to choose 20% of my email list and send them a sale and see how it goes.
0: So test it first.
1: Test it, yeah, exactly, and so that lends to repeat customers because it's personalized. It's like, hey, this is these are all my customers who bought this product.
0: Let me uh, offer them this product. Okay, so you're like, if you bought this thing, then I'm going to send you the special sale, and then that way it's customized. You're like, hey, I know you bought this yeah. bag, so here's this other one. Okay, gotcha. Yeah,
1: exactly, and then people feel special, and you're able to like know yeah. what they like actually. So super smart. That, and if you want to have a flash sale or something, I would. I think that's a good. Idea too, like see what kind of percentage percentages you're comfortable with. So offer like ten percent of your list the sale, twenty percent of your list that sale.
0: Is that to see what works? Okay, to do some A B testing and get some data. Yeah, okay,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's helped me because yeah. like certain sections of my list, depending on when they signed up, are more likely convert than others. So like yeah. people that signed up two years ago, I mean, I don't even know if they ever even opened my emails, but people right. that have signed up in the more recent past, they're much more likely to convert. So I can often send them a different sale than this group. Yes, 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 yes. Very
0: smart. I do the same stuff in my courses. I mean, I know like the average time someone needs to be on the email list before they purchase something. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I, but, but I also, you guys want to preface this really quickly with like, if you're not doing that today or you're thinking about starting a brand and you are, you know, listening to this and you're like, Oh, how do I actually do it? Don't get overwhelmed by that thought. Like that can come with time. You don't need to do that tomorrow. Um, yes. you can build and grow into that. I mean, that took me a long time to get to, it's taken you time to get there. So oh yeah, I also want to be mindful that, um, you know, we don't overwhelm people because I think that can feel really intimidating. Um, you don't have to have all this fancy email automation and, and analysis and AB testing set up right away. Like you'll, you'll grow into that. Um, yes,
1: exactly. So, yeah, if I sound like I'm being too technical, I totally apologize. No,
0: no, 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 you're not. And I think it's good to talk about this stuff because you did start out, you know, very grassroots and you've grown very grassroots, but it takes time to get to these other things.
1: Um, it does.
0: Yeah, but repeat customers are huge because it's, I think it's proven, like, once someone pays you even a dollar, that first dollar is the hardest dollar to get.
1: hmm yeah. I would say my biggest success, and this is going to sound silly, but is learning to relax Wait, well, tell us about that. So the last I don't know how long I've been working every weekend. I'm sure you're familiar. I'm sure yeah. most of your guests are familiar. Yeah. And just putting all this time and all this expectation, and all this stock and the success and the progress of my business. So anytime I was getting a success, I would feel good. And anytime I wasn't, I was feeling sad yeah. and depressed. Yeah. And it was just like this emotional roller coaster. And it all kind of came to this head over the weekend where I, I was expecting a certain number of successes. And what I mean by that is um new drop shipping partners, new boutique partners. Okay. And and then even though I got some, it's like it wasn't enough. And I was, and I thought, this is not cool. Like I do not need to be having this mentality of this type of success is not good enough because think about where your businesses come from for an entrepreneur. You're having milestones constantly, and you just don't realize it until you look back. And If you don't take the time, if I don't take the time, To look at my progress, I'm just gonna feel like nothing's good enough. Mm -hmm. And so I made myself, besides this call, take a weekend, a real weekend this week where I'm not allowed to check my email. I'm not allowed to log on to social media. I'm not allowed to do anything. All I'm gonna do is have fun and go to the park and see friends and learn to like just be grateful and relax. And that's so important to celebrate the small wins because. You know, nothing will ever be good enough
0: if you don't learn how to do that. It's so true. And I, I just have to let everyone know, we are literally recording this on Saturday, the 4th of July. Yes. <laughs> I love that you're, like, telling about this, how you're taking all this time off to celebrate. And you're like, and then I'm doing this podcast. But hopefully this is fun and, and, and a, a fun, fun success for you. Um, yes, for sure. But that's such an important—you oh, and I have a lot of similarities because I really—I I know the whole, like, your emotional health can very easily be tied to the state of your business, and that means yes. a lot of highs and a lot of a lot of lows, and that's uh-huh. taken me years to sort of kind of detach. You're never fully detached. You still get those, and you're like, oh, if it could have just been a little bit better, then it would have been so much better. Blah, blah blah. But like, that's hard. That's a that's a constant struggle. I feel.
1: Yes, and remembering that most of these like runaway success businesses, that's not the the norm. The norm is it takes ten years, maybe more, yeah. to build a real viable business that resembles a business. Yeah, you know there are like marketing gurus and business gurus who I guess can like pump out a really really high profitable success business, whenever. But I'm not one of those people. Like. <laughs> i don't know i don't have a ton of investors and that's just not most people's case
0: yeah but they also have a backstory it's the iceberg effect which i've talked about before on the podcast right you never see the the bottom 70 percent of where did yes. this actually start right
1: so true so yeah. true it's easy to compare yourself it really to where is where other people are yeah Um,
0: oh my gosh, you are so much fun. This is so amazing. I love your story in so many ways. You have no idea. And I cannot wait for everyone to listen. Well, by now, by the time they hear my voice, they're going to be like, well, we did just listen. Um, (laughs) but as I mentioned earlier, it's going to come out a little bit later after we have recorded. So, um, what do you like just quickly, what do you have coming up next? I mean, we're in the middle of COVID and there, the world is in a really weird place right now. So what do you, you're, you're working on getting your product into um, online retailers and any other exciting stuff you can share with us that's coming up next over the, for the rest of the year Well
1: I've moved to all vegan materials so everything all my new bags are six new bags now awesome. I'm able to do many more styles and they're all vegan and they use canvas and they're they're really much closer to what my original vision was okay so that's coming up I redesigned my bird's beak little signature class and it's now logoed, which took me a while to figure out how to do, but I've just improved UX, like the user experience with my bags. They're now magnetic. They don't have to use this annoying push clasp. So just like a lot of improvements and being more ethical and being more animal friendly.
0: So, so, so exciting. Um, and where can everybody find you online?
1: You can find me on AngelaMariah.com or Angela Mariah underscore handbags on Instagram, and I will answer, you know, any pressing questions about my talk.
0: Oh, amazing. And we'll link to all that in the show notes. And Tara, I would love to end the end of the episode with um, the question I ask everybody, and that is, what is one thing people never ask you about working in fashion that you wish they would?
1: I would say... Hmm maybe just what the day to day is like. I think people just think that just because you have a product, it's super easy, but not really thinking about all that goes into it and how a lot of time is spent in front of the computer.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, so, so true. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and all the successes and failures and insights in between. It's really been phenomenal. And I think people will have found this very helpful.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Heidi. thank you so much for having me on.
0: Oh, amazing thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the successful fashion designer podcast thank you so much to my husband mark who does all of the editing behind the scenes and my right hand gal tara different tara than who i just interviewed um, who helps coordinate the show do the show notes all the things that it takes to put a podcast together it is a lot of moving parts and pieces um you guys if you enjoy this episode or if you enjoy the SFD podcast at all A five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. You have no idea how far that goes. And you have no idea how hard they are to get. It is like pulling teeth. I think I've said that before. Um, But they are just tough little cookies to get out of you guys. Um, I don't mean to make you feel bad. If you have left a review or rating, thank you so, so much. If you listen somewhere other than Apple Podcasts, I get it. But if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take 30 seconds to scroll down and leave us a rating and a review. It means the world to me. It is really me in my basement recording studio recording these episodes i happen to be doing this one on a saturday while my husband is watching my son who hopefully he got him down for a nap Um, and we put a lot of effort and energy into the podcast and i hope you guys get that value and the best way that you can share that with us is by leaving a rating and a review so thank you for that if you haven't done it already and if you have done it thank you as well as always, I will remind you that SFD is way more than a podcast. If you've been listening, you know that. Make sure that you are signed up to get access to all the free resources to help you get ahead in fashion. You can do that by going to soheidi.com email. It's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I dot email. And I'll send you all my best free stuff. And also pop on over to Instagram and give me a follow and say hello and introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you there. I hang out at So Heidi as well. So I look forward to connecting with you. All right, as always, check out the show notes by scrolling down wherever you're listening. And thank you again for being here. I will talk to you in the next episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast.